from Relay FM, this is Analog, episode number 43. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price, Red Hatch, different for the sake of better technology, and Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later, I'm writing it down to remember it now. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Casey Liss. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am very well, Mr. Casey Liss. How the devil are you? I am doing excellent. That was delightfully British, my friend. Well, you know me, so I am I am delightfully British. Yep, I, I would say something in a faux British accent, but A, it's terrible, and B, it would sound like me mocking you, which I would never do. So, uh, things are well. You are excited for your pending trip to USA. USA. USA, A-OK. <laughs> are you perfecting your American accent, sir? Yes. No, well done. See, you are on the way. Uh, let's just uh, let's just jump right into follow up, if if we may. Is that okay with you? I would love that. All right, a uh, very quick bit of um, follow up with regard to Aaron's laptop. It is back. I am recording on Aaron's laptop right now. Um, I don't have the list of things that's repl- that were replaced in front of me, but the short short version is everything. It would be <laughs> it would be quicker for you to give a list of the things that were not replaced. That, that while a funny joke that never gets old, that is act- also actually accurate. Well, because you showed me the receipt. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. And it was ev- it was everything. They just replaced everything. That is absolutely correct. So, um, but that makes sense in, for water, right? Because water gets everywhere. Yeah, and it was funny because the reason, which I don't know if this is genuinely because this was applicable everywhere, or they were just like, well, we know the things we usually replace when this happens, and screw it, we'll just do all that. Um, the re- It was like... Main logic board, reason, liquid contact tripped or something like that. Uh, keyboard, reason, liquid contact tripped. Or, I forgot. I wish I had it in front of me. I don't remember exactly what um, what the verbiage they used was, verbiage, whatever. But um, it was it was pretty funny. And, uh, well, funny but not funny all at the same time. And so it is back. Um, Aaron has only given me 12 stern looks since it's returned, which I consider to be a personal victory. Um and so, yeah, all's well. Congratulations. Yep, I am very excited about that. Oh, I actually, I do have it in front of me. Give me but a moment as I stall and I download. Yes, a liquid contact indicator tripped. It was logic board, display clamshell, battery, cover bottom case, housing top case with keyboard and trackpad. So they must obviously put those contacts everywhere for yep. in case dullards spill liquid into their computers multiple times in a row. Um, and then when they do, they know just replace this part because there's been water on it. Why did you have to throw Dullard in there? Who said that? Who said that? You, yes. A, it's clearly British. B, I don't know for sure what it means, but C, I'm pretty darn sure I can figure it out. And <laughs> totally unnecessary, man. Come on. Let me find out, actually. Dullard. Let's go to, to get a d- definition of this. Oh, oh, no. oh, I love that. I go to look it up and it's dullard, parenthesis, idiot, parenthesis. <laughs> a slow or stupid person. That's wonderful. Thanks for that. It's true, though. All right, so let's move on. Tell me about what Alex had to say. So this is uh, some quite hefty follow-up here. So Yeah, this um, is the real deal. Mm-hmm. On Analog 41, I heard Mike say he'd like to move to the US. My ears pricked up as I am too trying to execute such a move. I'd like to urge Mike to investigate his visa options early, especially as he mentioned in the same episode he was not university educated. When I read that, I was like, where is this going? 
it, it is going somewhere good. But yes, I, if I were you, I didn't read it that way. But if I were you, I absolutely, absolutely would have read it that way and been like, mm. I'd be like, well, obviously Mike doesn't understand because he never went to school. <laughs> uh, I'm not an expert on visas, and there are a lot of options, but many are difficult to achieve without a degree. The H-1B visa, for example, is assigned by lottery, is very competitive, and if you don't have a degree, it must be offset by substantial experience. Luckily, I should be emigrating to using an L-1 visa, which is intercompany transfer, but it has taken a few years to find the right company to do that with and get the required one year's time served under my belt. Perhaps if Relay FM really takes off an entrepreneur's visa will be more appropriate, but these have a significantly high burden of proof. Forewarned is forearmed. Figure out how you can get to the US now so you can work on getting the necessary qualifications or experience and don't leave it to the last minute like I did on the assumption that the world really needs your skills. <laughs> I like the I like the end of that. Um basically this I know this is something I need to look into. I knew it was never going to be easy. Um, I think the fact that Relay FM is a LLC is an American company will help um, in me getting a working visa uh, because you know part I know part of the thing is you have to be able to prove that no American can do the job that you do. Well, nobody can do my job except me. I am the only person that can do my own job. Well, you um, are professional podcasters. Exactly. So I think that will help. But yeah, I'm sure that there are things. I'm sure there are difficult things. I'm sure there are things that I can do to help. And I'm sure there are things that I should do. What, that one thing I'm definitely not going to do, I'm never going to get a degree. Like, if I can't come to America because I need a degree, I'm never coming to America. I'm not going back to school. I have no desire to go back to school. I don't want to be there that bad that I would go back to school. So um, whilst I would love to move to America, I'm, that's one thing I will never do for it hmm, fair enough i just don't i just don't want to like i didn't go in the first place and i'm not gonna go back now but the other thing is whilst i agree uh, with everything said here and i really appreciate the time that alex put into sending me this information because it was information that i didn't know um i'm not in a rush like right. um right. we're most likely going to buy a place in the uk first so i think i'm years away from a move to be in all honesty uh, but it's just something that I'm actively thinking about. Did you say years away? Probably. Especially <laughs> now. Mike. Especially after reading this. You can blame Alex for this. <laughs> it's all his fault. Yeah. Or her. I'm assuming him, but it could be her. Anyway, um, tell me about, speaking of uh, buying things in, in the UK area, tell me about what Stuart said. So, uh, Stuart said, strange to hear Casey talking about once possibly working in New Morden, uh, just down the road from where I've recently bought a house. Um, so, but Stuart goes on to say, you didn't miss out on much excitement there. It's a fairly quiet little suburb of London, although it is the Korean restaurant capital of the UK. So pretty good food. Do you like Korean food? I don't know if I've, oh, I've only ever had Korean tacos in Atlanta a few weeks ago. Interesting. From a great place called Hankook. Oh, interesting. Like the tire. Um, so I don't know that I've ever really had Korean food either. I have had a Korean themed taco out of a beloved taco truck here in Richmond. But like, I don't know that I've ever had kimchi except as like a small ingredient in that taco. And obviously there's a lot more to Korean food than just kimchi. But uh, I was just talking to my friend Heather about this at work the other day. And I, I kimchi doesn't strike me as the kind of thing I would like, because a lot of the constituent components, like vinegar, for example, are not usually my thing. I think it's made of vinegar. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Email Mike. But um, 
But yeah, I like to try it though for sure and uh, i had no idea that new malden in the uk was the capital the korean restaurant capital of the uk that is the more you know there was also um chris on twitter said that he lives in new malden and i'm just so surprised about the amount of people that live in new malden mm-hmm. i've never really thought too much about new malden you didn't even know where it was at first, did you? Which is not a bad thing. But my point is, it's not like it's a well-known suburb or something like that. I wouldn't have been able to tell it. you it was in London. Yeah, exactly. That sounds like somewhere in the country to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. So yeah, uh, little little known large suburb uh, of London. So that's good. Basically, New Malden is populated by Korean restaurants and listeners of Analog. <laughs> that's that's all there is that, that's yep. the entirety of new Malden. so uh angus wrote in and said seriously episode 42 of analog fm and not a single douglas adams reference so here's the thing i have been getting i've had a shorter and shorter fuse with the kind of internet feedback that this is seriously why didn't you do this seriously why didn't you do that however angus is completely justified in this case because how could we have dropped the ball on that one well so there is another part of this, though, okay. where I attempted to Did make... Did you? Yes. So at the start of last week's episode, I said, hello and welcome to episode 42 of Analog. On this episode, something... And I just stumbled over myself completely, and I was going to talk about how, like, on this episode, we're going to give you all of the answers to all of the questions. Mm-hmm but completely failed and then decided when I, because then you didn't hear this, it was cut out. And then when I, then, you know, listeners, you heard it. Uh, live listeners heard it. And then when I came around to do it the second time, I was like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to just gonna go for it. I'll, I'll make a joke somewhere else in the episode, but didn't. So I made yep. up for it by on today's, well, as we record to the episode of Connected that we recorded today, I made a joke there because that was 42. Good, as well, good. of course, we have a bunch of 42s this week. Yep, and uh, I genuinely apologize to Angus and everyone else, and you, Mike, for not realizing that it was episode 42 and not making the appropriate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy joke. And if you're one of the few people in the world that hasn't read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, fix that immediately because it's wonderful. You should get the audiobook, which is read by Stephen Fry, which is doubly wonderful. I have not heard that, but I have read the book a couple of times. Have you read the sequels? Because I have not. I read one and a half and just didn't really enjoy them. I agree because I tried, I forget what the name of the next one was. So long and thanks for all the fish. No, it was restaurant at the end of the, it doesn't matter. I think restaurant at the end of the universe was the next one, which I did enjoy. And then the next one I didn't. Um, Yeah. So I didn't, I don't think I even got through restaurant at the end of the universe because I just really didn't care for it, which is weird because I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a great book. Um, and, and I'm, I definitely recommend it to everyone because it's, it's fantastic. All right. Any other follow-up? Are we good? I think we're good for follow-up. All right. Well, why don't you tell me about something that's seriously awesome? This week's episode of Analog is very proudly brought to you by Field Notes. I'm just so happy. I (laughs) I have a Field Notes in my back pocket as we speak. I think that it's it's not a secret that I love pens. We've spoken about it on this show. You know, I went to a whole pen show. Nerd. I love pens, right? And I buy loads of different types of pens. I buy different styles of pens, different variation of pens. I buy one type of notebook. What kind of notebook, Mike? Field notes. That's the only notebook that I buy. I have been a massive fan of field note notebooks for a long time. First place I ever saw about field notes was on Daring Fireball. 
and it was an edition called Raven's Wing, which are now a extremely sought after and very rare set of field notes. Uh, they were all black, and that was the first place I ever saw about them, and I thought they were really cool, but I didn't buy those ones. I ended up buying a, another set um, called the Dry Transfer Edition. That was my first set that I bought. And then not too long after, I became a Colors subscriber, and that means that I get every single new edition sent to me directly. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit longer. Uh, field Notes notebooks are made in America. They're a company based in Chicago. It's uh, a Draplin and Kudal uh, joint venture. So uh, Aaron Draplin and Jim Kudal um, is like their joint that they've created. And they've created these fantastic, beautifully designed notebooks. They make things that it's just great quality great design i love it and the best thing for me about field notes is their colors editions so i said i subscribe so i receive every colors edition in the in the mail automatically but you can buy them separately and it's every quarter field notes come up with a new limited edition notebook design they're always incredibly inventive interesting and fantastically designed and the edition for this summer is called the workshop companion edition it features a set of six books in a custom sleeve of a set of stickers each book is themed to a common project to be done around the house. They have electrical, plumbing, painting, gardening, automotive, and woodworking. They're coloured beautifully. They have great iconography. They just look fantastic. And if you are a Field Notes Colour subscriber, you will also receive a workshop reminder magnet as well. This is the first major uh, product to be made from French paper company's fantastic new line of papers, Craft Tone. French paper company is a company that Field Notes have used for years. It's a great quality paper stock. Um, and this is something that I love about Field Notes is they really sweat the details. Paper is massively important to them and they go to great lengths to get that kind of stuff right. Field Notes notebooks are great for all uses. Have one in your pocket, do your shopping list, have one in your bag to just take some notes from a conference, have one in your car to write down those ideas that you have when you're pulled over at a stoplight, have it by your Mac to take meeting notes and to take notes of telephone calls, take notes of projects like I do. You can have them everywhere. They're small, they're super durable and one of my favorite things about them is they wear really beautifully and they sometimes look better that way. You can find out more about Field Notes and the Workshop Edition by going to fieldnotesbrand.com slash workshop. Whilst you're there, I really suggest signing up for the color subscription. Just make sure that you get all future editions mailed to you directly, but you can also buy packs of the Workshop Edition separately too, but you want to hurry because these things always sell out quickly and I think these ones are going to go fast. And once they're gone, they're gone. They do not ever reprint, reprint these. So, Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Thank you so much to Field Notes for their support of this show. I said that with the biggest grin on my face. I know you did. I could hear it. Um, here's the thing with Field Notes. You know how um, the the Apple nerd community tends to hold a few things sacred? Almost everyone I know that's in this community, particularly podcasters in this community, loves fizzy water. Almost everyone I know in this community loves coffee. Almost everyone I know in this community loves really obnoxious clicky keyboards. I don't get behind any of those things. I think fizzy water's gross. I think coffee's beyond gross. And I am perfectly happy with the standard Apple keyboards. However, everyone loves field notes. And you should too, because they're that darn good. And I do as well. The field notes are the one I get are the ones that I get behind. So uh, get yourself some field notes. They're they're fantastic. Listen to this sound. 
That's me waving all my field. I have like three open field notes notebooks in front of me right now. Yep. It's Love where it's at. I Love carry him. one in my back pocket every day. And it stands up. It really does. And it, it looks like it's been worn, and that's not a bad thing, like you said, Mike, but it stands up. I like up. the wear. They mm-hmm. wear well. We can so, go on for like an hour. We got to move on. So, uh, Mike, what are you doing this uh, upcoming weekend? Traveling. Cross. I'm, I'm leaving on an airplane, and I don't know when I'll be back again. I know the song. I don't know who who sang it nor the name of the song, but that's okay. Um, John Syracuse is shaking his head as we speak. Anyway, are you a good traveler, Mike, or are you a terrible traveler? See, this is a question that I struggle to answer because I'm not afraid of flying, but I do many things that I think people that are afraid of flying do. Okay. Tell me more. Like, for example... I put an incredible amount of pre-planning into taking an airplane trip. I've actually gotten better about this over maybe the last couple of years. Like, mm-hmm. I no longer print everything. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, but we'll we'll come back to that. Okay. Uh, and I am now happy to check in online. I used to be like, nope, going to print everything, and I'm not going to check in online. I will go and speak to a person at the desk, and I will make sure they take my bag, and I will make sure I get my paper ticket. This is going to be a really boring segment because I'm just going to agree with everything you're saying. No, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, nor do I. But I also went through that same very difficult transition from being the old guy, you know, being the Stephen Hackett. Oh, you know, these kids with their computers, they're crazy. I'm going to go to the airport and I'm going to do it right. I had that same time and now I am embracing checking in online and that was a struggle. So I'm right there with you. So I want to preface this with the thing that I usually use to explain why I do all these things. Um, Okay. Because all of the crazy things that I'm going to tell you that I do, I want to say why I do them first. And it comes down to a a simple thing. If you are getting a train or you're getting a bus, you can get the next one. If you miss it, you can get the next one. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a train that is expensive, you can just pay again and get the next one. There will be a space for you. You cannot do this with a plane. It is not nope. easy to just get the next one. Like If I missed a plane and I was in the airport, I wouldn't even know what to do, right? Because <laughs> you're you're not where you get tickets from. You're on the other side. like mm-hmm. uh, and, and like your bag is God knows where. Because it's probably on the plane, and yep. it's just like you know, uh, there. The, the, my all of my anxiety for for air travel is not through fear of there being a disaster or fear of me crashing or anything like that. It is purely because if I miss this, I'm screwed. Yep, I completely agree. So that that's where this all this anxiety comes from for me. So. Casey, what kind of prep do you do maybe the night before? Um, the night before, I am always as packed as one can possibly be. I cannot pack the day that I leave because th- at that point, I am already way too stressed. Um, I used to be an extremely nervous traveler. Now I'm just a nervous traveler. <laughs> um, and if you'll permit me a quick aside... Uh, In 2010, Aaron and I decided to take our last big vacation before we had a baby. Um, As we've talked about quite a bit on this show, it took a little bit longer than we thought we could or we would need to have that baby. But in 2010, we knew we were going to soon later start trying. And so 
we took a vacation to London and the surrounding area and Paris and then back to the U.S. And between me or us, I should say, and the airport we were flying out of, Dulles in Washington, D.C., it's about, I think, 100 to 120 miles, something like that. So on a good, clear day with no traffic, it's between an hour and a half and two hours. The thing of it is, though, the corridor on uh, Interstate 95 between Richmond and Dulles is fraught with peril. And it can take six plus hours to make that two hour drive. So we wake up the morning that we were leaving, which if memory serves was a Saturday. So there really shouldn't be that much traffic anyway. And this was in August when there shouldn't have been a terrible amount of traffic, especially going northbound on a Saturday. And I'm getting more and more freaked out with each passing moment. And we had a red eye that night because typically when you're flying eastbound overseas, you're generally going to do that as a red eye. Well, it ended up that we left for Dulles at 10 in the morning for a 10 p.m. flight. Remind, rem, let me remind you, it's a two-hour drive. And Mike, would you like to guess how long it took us to get to Dulles? <laughs> an hour and a half. About an hour and a half. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is yeah, this is reason 7,455,003 that Aaron is an angel and I am beyond blessed to have found her. Um, she rolled with it. And then what we ended up doing was we ended up going to this large mall called Tyson's corner. I don't know which Tyson's corner it was. There's like three different Tyson's corners. Well, anyways, we, uh, we, we went there and we walked around for a little bit and Aaron's looking at me. I think we had lunch at that point. And then after lunch, we start walking around and Aaron's looking at me, checking my watch, like literally every two minutes. And she says to me, you just want to go. And I looked at her and I thought, yes, yes, I do. So I think we arrived at Dulles at like one or two in the afternoon. It was a 10 to 11 p.m. flight, somewhere in that range. I, if memory serves, I, I kind of wish she was nearby so I could have her jump on and uh, talk to you about this. But if memory serves, we watched two movies on my laptop at the gate and watched three or four different flights depart from our gate before ours took off. The fact that she went on this trip with me is stupefying to this day five years later because it, I was out of control. And it was at that point, for better or worse, that I realized I've got to get this under control because this is ridiculous. This is insane. So yeah, so that that's where things started for me. Now I tend to like to get to the airport between one and two hours ahead of time, which I think is reasonable and not nearly as bad as it used to be. Um, I don't remember what question you actually asked me at this point. Uh, what was it? When do I pack? Always the day before. When do you pack? Well, I, I'm always packed the day before and I have a, a checklist. I have a clear list, which I kind of just add things to and then check them off and then just yep. re-enable them all. So yep. like, you know, things get added as time goes along um, and I'm adding things to it whenever I think of things. I'm getting mm -hmm. ready. You know, I've already called the bank to tell them that I'm traveling, so they'll let my card go through when I'm traveling. Um, yep. And my passport's already in my bag. I check my passport is in my bag on the day I'm traveling about every 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm the same way. And then when I get to the airport, when I give it to the person at the checkout desk and they take a look at it and they give me my passport back, it then goes in my front pocket. And always in the front pocket. Yeah, of course. Because that makes the sense. other thing is I take the other things that are in my front pockets usually and then put them into my bag because I no longer need them on my person. Mm -hmm. It's like door mm -hmm. keys. 
I don't need my yep. door keys when I'm in the airport terminal anymore. Yep. So they go into my rucksack and it's replaced with my uh, passport. I hear you. Makes sense. Um, one of the things that I found in uh, a friend of the show, underscore David Smith, and I have talked about this on and off. Um, he, I don't think, is nearly as bad as I am, but he is a bit of a nervous traveler as well by his own admission. And so a while back, he had written a post about how he really likes to have some affordance from home to make him feel at home when he's on the road. And for him, that's the fussy coffee that I that I just uh, slandered earlier. Um, but he likes to have his fussy coffee, and so he'll actually bring a kettle with him, and um, he'll bring a kettle with him and some pre ground coffee and whatnot. And he'll make he'll have the ability to make himself a a nice cup of coffee in his hotel. Again, coffee isn't for me, but in a similar vein. What I really like and what has made me a much more confident and calm traveler is I have what I like to call my go pack. And my go pack is a small Tom Bean, Tom Bin, uh, little zipper pouch that has all of my electronics cables in it. So as a few examples, and I wrote a post about this probably about a year ago now, which we'll put in the show notes. Um, it has uh, like three different lightning cables, one for Aaron's phone, one for my phone, and one for my iPad. It has uh, several, three or four USB extensions. Um, typically what I'll do is I'll put two USB extensions together and then, you know, hook a lightning cable into that. And that'll go across the bed to Aaron's side. And then I'll hook a single USB extension to a, to a lightning cord and that'll be on my side. So we can use our phones in bed and, and not have to run across the room to pick them up. Um, it has a lightning to HDMI converter. It has an HDMI cable. So this way I can plug my iOS devices into the TV in the hotel and watch whatever I want to watch. I also have recently gotten at the recommendation of uh, Dan Morin an Amazon Fire TV stick, which is excellent. I actually quite like it, very much recommend it. It is not in the Go Pack, but it's also a very good alternative. I have a small Ethernet cord in there. Uh, it's sitting right here. What else do I have in here? Uh, headphone extension. So if I have a uh, battery case on my phone, I can still use a, a uh, headphone with it. It has a couple of extra SIMs for my iPad. It has a USB key. It has Thunderbolt to HDMI in case I have my laptop with me. I think that's basically it. But the idea is these are all like duplicates of all the things that I need. So I don't have to take away my lightning cable that sits at my bedside table when I go traveling. That one just lives there. And the GoPack lives as one complete unit, unless, of course, I'm traveling. And so when I need to worry about all the different electronic miscellaneous stuff that I need to bring with me, all I do is I grab the go pack and I put it in my suitcase and I know that it's, uh, I've got everything covered because like your passport, I know the second I take something out of there or the, really the second I'm done with something that comes from there, it gets put back. And so that if you're, if you're, carrying a lot of different electronics like I typically do. And if you can spend just a little bit of money to get duplicates for all these things, I cannot recommend to go pack enough. I think it's a wonderful idea. Now, how do you handle your like cables and things like that? Firstly, I don't think I've ever loved you more than I love you right now. <laughs> Thanks, darling. Uh, do you, uh, you feel like this is something you can get behind? This is something that I probably should invest a little bit more in. So I have uh, my bag that I usually use when I'm out and about, like if I'm going to work or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, like going to work somewhere or something like that. It sure, has sure. a bunch of this stuff in it already. Like I have uh, 
I have two foldable plugs in there. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe three now because I have the Apple Watch foldable plug uh, and then two of those MU Moo plugs, the foldable plugs. I have one that has a single USB port, one that has two USB ports. Oh, can I interrupt very quickly right here? Yeah. Um, not in my Go Pack, but a brilliant idea is to get a very small travel surge protector that has USB ports in it. And so what I do, and this is particularly important if you're going overseas. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll bring like this two or three outlet um, surge protector on it, uh, or a surge protector that has two or three outlets on it. And it also has a couple of USB ports on it. So that means I don't have to carry all the little wall warts that go eight, you know, the the wall to USB. I can just use the surge protector. And then if I'm overseas, instead of needing 13 different, you know, UK to US converters, all I do is I use one UK to US converter or wherever I happen to be to plug in the power strip. And then I plug in all my American stuff off of the power strip, which is super, super convenient. So anyway, I'm sorry, carry on. That is a good thing. Um, So I have, uh, so so I have an Apple Watch charging thing now oh yeah I, that's not on my blog post but i have also gotten a second one of those so that just so stays in my, my go bag yep, yeah it, i and, agree and then I, I have some other little cables and stuff in there but i don't have a ton uh but i add to it because i only have one uh macbook pro charger for example so i just take the one that i have from home but what i have amassed over time is i now have a u.s iphone charger Ah, very and, nice. And a US MacBook Pro thingamajig. So you can pop off the charging dock. I know what you're saying. I, I know what the, you're thinking of, yeah. So I can pop that off the end of the power brick and pop on an American one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this has just been over the few years of buying things in America, like laptops and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a really, really smart idea. I really dig it. So I've now got a few of those types of things that I can bring with me, which is very useful. Uh, I, you know, I bring the those little converter me thingy jigs, but I also have the American plugs, which is which is a lot better because then I don't have to worry about plugging multiple things in because things just don't stay in your plugs. Like especially when you're adding more and more bulk <laughs> to them, they just fall out of the wall. You know, I really want to get uh, turn this into a U.S. versus U.K. argument, but. I will say that although your plugs are obscenely, ridiculously, hilariously large, they are considerably more sturdy. And yes, before we get a million emails, I understand they are also more safe, but they are comically large. I need to show you this Apple one. I saw it like folds into itself or something like that because everyone in the UK went berserk over it. Because that was a thing in, I think, in the Telegraph piece about Johnny Ive Mm -hmm. where he was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was really difficult, but we, we did it. Yep. Um, I should say that if you are going to build your own, as I call it, GoPack, uh, I have a bunch of links on my website on that post, although it looks like a couple of them are broken, so I'll have to go back and fix them. But um, if you wanted to get, let's say for the sake of discussion, three lightning cables, I strongly, strongly recommend and endorse, and they, they have never sponsored the show, um, Monoprice, M-O-N-O Price, uh, they have lightning cables that are about 10 bucks each. Or you can get three packs, which I've never seen before on Monoprice, for 20 bucks. You can get three lightning cables for 20 bucks. Isn't Doesn't Apple charge like 15 or 20 for one? Something like that. Yeah. And these are great cables. I'm not saying you can't destroy them. I'm sure somebody out there is writing an email to me right now saying, oh, I've used Monoprice so terrible. 
All I'm telling you is, in my experience, they're great. And so you can do that. You can get USB extensions for like two or three bucks a piece. So for, call it 20, 20 to $50, you can have a pretty robust GoPack, which is really, really nice and really saves you a whole lot of angst and stress when you travel. I want to talk a bit more about angst and stress, uh, but should we take a break first? Yeah, well, this this is going to go on for hours, so yeah, we should probably pause now. <laughs> this week's episode of Analog is also brought to you by Harry's. Harry's was started by two guys who wanted a better product without having to pay an arm and a leg to get it, and this is when it comes to shaving. Now, shaving is a difficult thing, right? It's something that can be uncomfortable. It can cause nicks and cuts and scrapes and razor burn, and it can be super expensive too. And that is why Harry's was created, to make this a whole better experience. Harry's make and manufacture their own blades. They do this in a factory that they own in Germany. Um, Their blades are made by shaving experts who have a real long history in making this stuff and they make great quality blades. But because Harry's actually own the factory, there's no middleman to deal with, they can they can keep the prices of these things down low. So like for example, an everyday shaver who uses Harry's blades will save on average about $150 a year when compared to other big brand uh, companies like like Gillette and people like that. You save a lot of money. And when you do save that money, you'll end up with a better shave because you'll be able to change your razor blade more frequently, which is one of the most important things for keeping a smooth shave is to change the blade frequently. Harry's ship to your front doorstep for free they are fantastic you don't get to check out and then you whack up another like 50 bucks in like shipping they're not one of these types of companies they're nickel and dime and stuff like that they'll just ship for free to your front doorstep they have for 15 bucks you can get yourself their starter set which is amazing you'll get a razor moisturizing shave gel uh, moisturizing shave cream sorry or firming shave gel and three razor blades and if you use my code that i'm going to tell you about in a minute you can get that for $10, which is just, you just I don't know why you haven't already just bought it uh, at that point. 10 bucks is just nothing. You, you just run, just throw money at your computer for $10 because this <laughs> stuff is fantastic. I love Harry's products. They have such a great design aesthetic. You know, we were talking about Field Notes earlier. We have Harry's now, just companies that really believe in great design. Like fundamentally, it is an important thing. And if you're listening to a podcast about, this type of stuff like technology and that kind of thing you are a discerning person you will like design i'm just sure of it and these are the types of companies that make great looking stuff it's not just about the way this stuff looks it feels great in the hand too it's got a great weight to it i like it it's not like it's going to slip out of my hand and fly across the room because it weighs like half a gram you know it's not heavy either it feels good to hold you feel like you've got something that is substantial enough in your hand right it feels good i love their uh, aftershave moisturizer uh, because it's it just it's something you should do right you should moisturize your face guys you're listening to me out there you're like oh, i don't need to moisturize i'm a man no you should moisturize your <laughs> face because it makes your skin feel good it makes your skin look good and also it helps keep your skin healthy which is really important i I use harry stuff to protect my face right that is my face is important to me 
and Harry's helps me protect it. They keep me looking sharp as well. I use like, I keep a beard, right? Everybody knows this, but there are you know I don't want my neck to get all hairy, like my you know your cheeks and stuff. You want to keep those lines fresh, and that's what Harry's lets me do. You don't need to be someone who shaves every day to get use out of these blades because they're great for all of this kind of stuff. And hey, if you shave other parts of your body, you can do that with a Harry's razor as well. My girlfriend has used them to shave her legs, and she thinks they're fantastic. Have to wrestle the blade back the razor around from her um in my opinion <laughs> harry's blazer as good as any i've used before i think you can't go wrong with them you can experience a clean close comfortable shave with harry's go to harry's.com right now and they will give you five bucks off if you use the coupon code analog with your first purchase as h-a-r-r-y-s.com and the coupon code analog at checkout you'll get yourself five dollars off and you'll be able to start shaving better today thank you so much to harry's for their continued support of analog Yep, excellent. Um, to go back a step, I, I feel like I, I would be remiss not to mention that I was known within my family and coworkers when I used to travel a little bit for work for how ridiculously I, I overprepared for travel, specifically because of what I like to call my travel packet. My travel packet actually um, predates my Go Pack, and like you were saying earlier, Mike, I used to print freaking everything in advance i would print reservation confirmations i would print itineraries i would print uh, google maps directions from i don't know the airport to the hotel if i'm driving or you know renting a car or whatever i used to print all that and i would have these obscenely thick travel packets that would be my trip in a nutshell um i've given up on that although it took me years after i had an iphone to finally give up on that because well, what if my iphone breaks or what do i uh what if something else happens and eventually i've calmed down a little bit i've gotten past it but i used to rely on my travel packet and i don't know mike i'm curious to hear if you also do this but i've um come to lean on Tripit, t-r-i-p-i-t um, they have free offerings, which is all I use. And basically what that allows you to do, and there may be other companies that do similar, as you get these confirmations, you forward it via email, you forward them to a specific email address, a TripIt, and they see, oh, well, Casey's email address has just forwarded this confirmation. I will file it in the WWDC trip because I know that he's going to San Francisco uh, next week, as it turns out, um, actually the week in which you guys hear this. Um and so they will file that and make kind of a travel packet on your behalf. And granted, you could print a lot of this, I suppose, but just they have a pretty decent iPhone app. And that has served as my travel packet of the future, if you will. Now, Mike, do you use TripIt or what did you what, since you said you used to print stuff? What do you do instead of printing stuff today? So I still do the same thing that I did even when I printed it because I also did the digital option. Mm-hmm. Um I I had I have used Tripit. Um and when I did use them I wasn't that happy. Okay. This was some time ago. So I decided to go for the lowest fi tech option that I think I can find which is Evernote. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I do it manually, right? So mm-hmm. I forward it, because you can do the same email thing, right? I get something come through to do with the trip. I email it to my Evernote email address. Um, and then I, I have notebooks. I have a WWDC notebook, so I just file them in that notebook. Oh, that makes sense. I dig it. 
So then I, it's just all there. And it's what I like about Evernote then is I can search for things. They're saved to my device because I have it sync offline. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, it, it works really well for me. Um, and I've been happy with that. I've used Evernote for this purpose for years. It's actually my only real use of Evernote now is for travel documents. But like, for example, I have a scan of my passport in Evernote. If you yeah, don't yeah. have a scan of your passport in either Evernote or preferably one password, uh, mm-hmm. which I do have it in there as well, but I keep mine in Evernote, but you know, that's up to you if you want to take that. There is a little bit of a risk to doing that, I guess. But I have it in there because more than anything, if you are traveling uh, internationally, when you're filling out those boarding card thingamajiggies, having yep, yep. that information in Evernote is way better than having to fish for your passport. I completely agree. So it's top tip for you because plus as well, this is the other reason. Like those international boarding card thing, like those things, you know, you have to fill them out. And mm-hmm. It's like you, I, I think they're called boarding cards. They might be called something else actually. Customs You're talking about cards. the thing. Yeah, I was about to say. You're talking about the things for customs, right? Yeah, like you have to have like your hotel information and stuff. So you know, who has the address of their hotel? Well, people that prepare. <laughs> exactly right. So that's that's what I do with that sort of stuff that will get saved there. I mean, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but like I arrive at the airport very early. Like Even to this day. Me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I add half an hour on to minimum whatever is considered to be the minimum, like the, the suggested time. So, for example, I will try and get to the airport um, three and a half hours before my flight. For your for flying to WWDC, yeah, and because the, it's international. Because it's international, and if it's and it, I'll do like two and a half hours if it's within Europe or whatever. So it's two hours. They suggest two hours in Europe and three hours mm-hmm. uh, to you know further than that. And when I say it's suggested, like they don't even open check in until that. <laughs> right, right. I'm with you. I I still struggle. I think more than anything else, I struggle with not getting to the airport obscenely early because just like you were saying earlier, you know, what if there's an accident on whatever roadway there is between you and the airport or perhaps Mike, in your case, what if one of the tube stops is broken? However, that may happen and everything gets backed up. I'm obviously I don't write the tube, so I'm sure that's a ridiculous example, but you know what I mean? No, that happens constantly. Oh, there you go. See, I'm smarter than I thought, which is why, uh, so say I want to arrive three and a half hours early I pad half an hour into my travel time as well. Oh, yeah. I, I I should be judging you and telling you how ridiculous you are, but I am right there with you. So, like, if everything went perfectly, I would be there four hours early. It's like I have a... My, my flight is at half is at 12 o'clock, I think, on, on Friday. Um, So I will be leaving very early in the morning. Yeah, that's the thing is, typically for WWDC, I always take the same flights. It's a... Uh, it's an mid-morning flight to San Francisco and I take a mid-afternoon flight on Friday back from San Francisco. The same flight numbers, always Virgin America, um, every single year. The problem, though, is that generally speaking, what Aaron and I will do is we'll go up together on Friday night, or, excuse me, Saturday night and stay with a friend or get a hotel room or whatever. And, um, and this way I'm already in the D.C. area that morning. This year, what with Declan and everything, it's not worth dragging him up to a hotel. Uh, uh, all of our friends that live up there, we, we're pretty sure are going to be gone anyway. So I think I'm just going to make that drive in the morning. And this is the same drive from Richmond to Dulles that I told you a few minutes ago 
can be a disaster. So, so I don't know. I've I've been worrying and stressing about what time I'm going to leave because I think the flight is at 10:30. I'll probably want to be an hour and a half to two hours early, which says I'm arriving at Dulles, a minimum of an hour and a half to two hours away at 8:30. So that means I got to leave at like 6.30 easily, if not a little before. And so, oof, I'm going to be tired on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to be so tired. So why don't you go and just stay in a hotel then? I, the thought had crossed my mind, but I don't want to be away from Aaron and Declan any more than I have to. I and, but yeah, and that's cheesy, but it's true. It really is. So, so are you leaving on Friday? You coming back home again on Friday? That's right, which this year they've said don't do that because the conference is actually going into Friday evening, but I hate red eyes more than just about anything in the world, and I don't want to spend, I I think at that point, not only have I spent more than enough time away from Aaron and Declan for myself, I got to imagine Aaron's going to be at wit's end because she has had little to no support during an entire week. Obviously, she'll have her mom and, and maybe her dad come and visit, um... She'll probably spend a little bit of time with my parents, but as I've said a couple of times, we're actually moved in with my parents right now because of work going on at our house. So we're all kind of, even though we all still love each other and we all still like each other, there's going to come a time where we will still love each other, but we will not like each other. <laughs> and so I, I, I'd like to give mom and dad a break. And so uh, I think coming home Friday this year is probably the right answer. Now you, you arrive Saturday night, is that correct? I have asked this a hundred times. Well, it's kind of yes and no. Uh, I leave Friday morning, and I arrive in Memphis on Friday evening. Ah, that's right, that's right. Okay. So I'm going to be in Memphis, and then me and Stephen are going to be arriving in San Francisco on Sunday evening. Okay, gotcha. And then you depart when? From San Francisco to direct, direct to Heathrow? Yeah, on and that's- Saturday. Okay. Is that a red eye or no? No, it is not. Oh, good for you. I hate do you hate red eyes too? <sighs> Can you sleep on a plane? It depends where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So I took a red eye back from Atlanta and it was fantastic. Oh yeah? Because I was able to sleep. And then Are when you... I woke up in London, uh it was eleven o'clock in the morning. So I had no mm-hmm. jet lag. Oh, that that is magnificent. Now, are you generally able to sleep, or was that like a complete one-off? Another thing is, it was the first time I've flown premium economy. Mm. So mm-hmm. I had a little bit more leg room, and it was way more comfortable. Yeah, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Going to Memphis is a nightmare. There's just no direct flight. So I'm taking a nine-hour flight to Chicago. Oh, I have, God. I have a two-hour layover. Oh. And then two hours to Memphis. Ew, that's not fun. Yeah, that sucks. But direct to San Francisco, for example, is 10 hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, that's really a choice of stinky or smelly. <laughs> the thing is, it's a weird thing. So I've only ever done this a couple, I've only done this a couple of times, but there is a, even though it's longer, the travel time is two and a bit two and a half hours longer in total um to like i know it's going to memphis but whatever it's like two and a half hours longer in total it feels good to take the break yeah i can understand that but even getting from memphis to san francisco that's an eight and a half hour (laughs) journey yeah and that's not direct right you have to transfer somewhere as well that's why it's two it's two hours then a three hour layover and then four hours 
Oh, yeah, see, that's the thing is Richmond has an airport and it's small, but not tiny by any means. And I could go, I don't know, from Richmond to Chicago, for example, or Richmond to Dallas to um, or perhaps Houston to make a connection all the way out to San Francisco. But as another effort, as a as a prepared or as a preventative effort, that's what I'm looking for as a preventative effort. Um, I don't like to do that. I like to take direct flights if ever possible. And so I would rather drive those two potentially very stressful hours, potentially at six in the morning to go to Dulles and take the direct flight than have to have a hop from Richmond. Um, And this has saved my bacon in the past because I think we talked about several episodes ago now. Um, There was one time I was coming back from a wedding in Austin and and the short, short version of the story is there was a weather issue or no, I think it was a mechanical issue and we were flying from Austin to Dulles and then Dulles to Richmond. Well, we got to Dulles and the United Airlines basically said, well, there's a mechanical issue and we're not going to get you home for three more days. So have fun. And what we ended up doing was driving, renting a car for two hours and driving to Richmond. And I am so thankful that I genuinely had deliberately decided to fly via Dulles just in case something happened. And guess what? something happened. And that's that's like a, a self-perpetuating cycle, right? Like, you know, you and I prepare so heavily because we want to be comfortable and ready if something bad happens. And then on the rare occasion something bad happens, all it does is further reinforce that, oh, thank goodness we prepared as much as we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, tef- definitely. Yeah, but uh, I hate red eyes because I can't sleep on the plane. And I- I'm jealous that you were able to on the way back from Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, any other rituals that you have? Uh, not particularly. What do you do on the plane to keep yourself busy? Uh, typically, I watch some sort of movie on my iPad or TV show. Um, before my aborted trip to Vegas, which uh, was a few weeks ago, that didn't end up happening because of a weather issue. I had loaded up uh, all of True Detective on my iPad, which is probably pretty funny because I've never seen any of it. And I'm told that maybe that's not the best airplane viewing. So I think I might have to change that up for this weekend. But uh, typically I'll put a couple movies on there. Uh, Just movies that I really, really enjoy. Maybe Hunt for October or Dark Knight or something like that. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, something that I just really, really enjoy watching and can kind of turn my brain off and just sit there and cruise. On the way back from... um, on the way back from WWDC, typically what I'll end up doing is writing some sort of code, even if it's just, you know, screwing around for the fun of it. But I'm so amped up and excited over what I've learned over the last week. I just have to get that out of my system. Um, and so, yeah, that's typically what I do. Uh, I have a pair of um, Ultimate Ears ear earbuds, earphones, um, which are noise, not canceling. They're not active noise canceling. There's a, what is it? Noise reducing. There's no isolating. That's what I'm looking for. They're noise isolating. And when I stick those things uh, in my ears, it's very hard to hear darn near anything other than what I'm trying to listen to, um, which is wonderful. If you don't have noise canceling headphones and you don't have noise isolating earbuds, Oh my goodness, invest in some of those. Either earbuds or noise-canceling headphones because either way, they make a world of difference. Aaron has a very cheap, very old, but still perfectly functional pair of uh, noise-canceling headphones that work flawlessly and they make such a difference. What do you do when you're on the plane? Um, So I do a little bit of work and that usually is podcast editing. It's great to edit audio on a plane. Like... 
you can just do it. Right? It's there. You don't find it's too noisy? No, no. I have a pair of... Uh, I don't have noise isolating or... I have like... I have like noise reducing reducing earphones. I have some Bose noise reducing earphones. I don't like anything that does any active noise cancellation. It makes me feel sick. Can't explain oh, it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Can't explain it. I just, I put them on and I feel really nauseous. Hmm. I don't know. So what, I think it's because it's messing, it's messing around with your senses. Like, I don't like it. Um, although I've never listened to them on, on a plane before. I've only ever listened like in a store or whatever, but I put them on and I just don't like the sensation. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, so I find it fine. You just crank up the volume to a decent level and I can hear everything fine. Um, I do that and I tend to have, I always put more movies or TV shows on my iPad than I'm ever going to watch and usually yep. never watch them. And, you know, sometimes I'll watch a movie on the plane. Yep, yep, completely agree. Actually, one of my favorite uh, stories, come to think of it, this reminded me of it, uh, on the way back from that trip to London and Paris, we flew, we flew Charles de Gaulle to Dulles Direct. And I don't remember what series it was off the top of my head, but this was right after the iPad 1 came out. And I had an iPad 1. It was like six months later or something like that. And I watched an entire series of Top Gear. So like six or seven episodes of Top Gear, back to back to back to back to back, on my way from Paris to uh, to the U.S. And I will never forget walking off that plane and being dumbfounded that I believe my iPad still had like sixty percent of its charge left after something like seven hours of watching um, of watching Top Gear. That was that was glorious. Those were the days. I do have Mad Men loaded up. Now, see, perfect. Now, have you seen these episodes yet or no? No, it's the final season. Gotcha. I haven't seen any of it. I also have uh, Sneakers. Excellent. That's an excellent film. Yep, because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, I didn't know if we wanted to go there, but we are going to do a Mike at the Movies with Sneakers, probably the episode after the one you're listening to now. So uh, we will probably be recording it in person, and we it will probably be next week. And I'm only saying probably, so just in case something terrible happens, uh, nobody can say I told you so. Yep. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited. I love that movie. To I be fair, I haven't do. seen it in a while, so uh, I hope it doesn't disappoint. But it is a great, great, great movie. Um, do you have anything else on on this sort of stuff? Yeah. Uh, what do you do about jet lag, especially as someone who who comes to the states once to twice a year? Um, what do you? How do you handle jet lag? Do you have any tips for that? Coming to America is not a problem. Uh, my top tip is just you got to go the distance. Like, what do you mean by that? You just have to go to sleep at an hour that you'd normally go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So that might mean that you've been awake for 28 hours, 29 hours, but you just got to go for it. Yep. Um, And if you do that, then you'll be good. Like, yeah, I wake up a little bit early, um, but it's not like so early that it's crazy. You know, like yep. I might wake up at like 7, 8 a.m., which mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't need to wake up that early. You know, if I need to wake up at like nine, I'll wake up at like seven. Sure, and sure. Like, but, you know, that's not killing anybody. Um, coming home is just like a whole mess of whatever. Yeah, I found that going eastbound is terrible and going westbound is typically pretty easy. And I think the reason for that is that when you're going westbound, you just have a really weirdly long day. But when you're going eastbound, you have like day when there should be night or night when there should be day. And it just totally messes with my world. Um, I used to be terrible with jet lag and 
this is the dumbest way of getting over it in the world, but I hand on heart, this is what's worked for me. I used to check my watch and look at my look at the time and think to myself, oh well, if I'm in London right now and if it's one twelve in the morning, well then okay, what is this? it's eight twelve at night at home. And I used to do that every time I looked at the at my watch. And Erin figured out that that's what I was doing. And she said to me very gently, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop doing that. Just embrace whatever time you're in. And that's such a stupid, stupid tip. But oh my God, it made a world of difference. And I stopped doing that mental math. And I just started embracing whatever time it was that I was in. And it doesn't eliminate jet lag, but it made it a lot better. And I'd also like to double down on what you said, Mike, about staying up when you're, especially when you're going westbound, well, really actually any direction, stay up until a natural bedtime or at the very worst, an early bedtime. Don't take any naps. Don't do anything. Just stay up as long as you possibly can, because the best thing you can do for yourself is go to bed, just like Mike said, at a reasonable hour in the new time zone, and then you will, in all likelihood, wake up at at least a semi-reasonable hour in that new time zone. And so if you do that, in my experience, you're pretty good to go after just that one sleep. So I completely agree with you. Top tip, Mike. Top tip. Should we do some relay of fills? Oh, yes, goodness. I didn't even realize what time it was. Yes, please. Relay of Fills is brought to you by Red Hat. At this point, everyone understands that in the right situations, open source software is important technology. It's useful and powerful. Not many people really disagree with that. The most successful open source project of all time is the internet. Tim Berners-Lee put the www in the public domain. Then, of course, there's Berkeley Unix, TCPIP, BSD Linux, Android, the Internet of Things... You get the idea. The only real disagreement is whether open source can be used in enterprise situations for people to do their most important work. Red Hat has been settling this debate one customer over at a time for over a decade. They started with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and today they certify and support application development, storage, and cloud infrastructure for every conceivable enterprise deployment. The New York Stock Exchange, DreamWorks, each and every airline, healthcare company, and telecom giant in the Fortune Global 500, they all rely on Red Hat. In fact, more than 90% of all companies in the Fortune 500 are Red Hat customers. Why? Because they get the powerful, constantly improving innovation of open source without the risk of having to do it alone. It's that simple. Red Hat, enterprise software trusted in the world's most demanding data centers. Find out what they can do for yours at redhat.com. Excellent. All right, let's do some feels. Andrew asks uh, to me, have you noticed, Mike, if you talk any differently in everyday life since you've gone full-time with Relay? Um, I don't think going full-time with Relay made a difference. Like, it's just been like the last five years of podcasting. Um, And what he asked specifically was, like, swearing less. I don't think I swear any less. I swear enough. I swear, like, uh, probably a person who swears maybe a little bit too much. But I never (laughs) swear on the air. Yep, yep. Um, because I have to edit it out. Uh, but also, you know, I just have a simple kind of, does it pass the kids in the car test? If it doesn't, then it doesn't come out of my mouth. Um, and yeah. I'm pretty, pretty well restrained at that because we have a no swearing household um, growing up. So it was easy for me to, to turn the filter on and off. Yeah, I see. We had a no swearing household growing up until I went to college. And then uh, as my parents called it, I had dorm mouth and D-O-R-M mouth. 
and uh, it was hard to break it. And so now, now we all speak probably a little too freely around each other in my family. Um, I swear like a darned sailor when I'm not podcasting and it's taken a lot of self-control to... Sometimes you um, do when you are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, occasionally I, I get a little bit uh, worked up, but I should do that a lot less often. And I am trying to do that a lot less often, both on po- in podcasting and in real life. The main difference in me is the transatlantic accent that I'm developing. Yeah, I, I don't notice it often, but there are times I notice it. And and it's funny because when you say something in a very, a very American way, let's say mobile instead of mobile, um, the American in me smiles and is very happy. But the guy who is one of your best friends or you know you're one of my best friends anyway um that that guy feels sad because um i don't want to put that pressure on you man you i don't want to put that pressure my on my best friends Casey. i don't want to put that pressure on I you anyway you but the point being then then i'm like oh he's losing his his charming you know british accent that's no good so um so yeah so i, I see that both ways and finally today from thomas do you guys have standing desks nope wish i did why I hear they're cool, man. That's like the keyboards and the coffee and the and the fizzy water. That's what all the cool kids have. I know. I I just feel like it seems healthier than sitting all the time. I have been crusading at work trying to get standing desks at work, and um, I've tried and tried and tried and tried. And we keep buying these like really cheap, really crappy like hacks to get either regular desks to elevate the the keyboard and monitor, or we actually got a. Uh, like a podium that's supposed to be a standing desk that's terrible because the entire desk surface, which you press on the sides, like when you're mousing around and stuff like that, um, it's completely unstable. I've been trying and trying and trying, and it just hasn't worked. Now, do you have a standing desk? No, I have a big glass desk that I sit at. I actually have a glass desk as well, at home anyway, um, which is kind of funny. We're twinsies. We're desk twinsies. Uh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just sure. didn't know where to go with that. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Uh, I think that I like the idea of a standing desk. Like, I like the idea of lots of things, but not so much that I want to stand up all day. I can understand that. I like being able to walk around. Yep. Yep. I don't know. When I'm on the phone, are you. Are you a phone pacer? Like when I'm on the phone, if I'm not walking around, I cannot speak on the phone. I don't know how I'm sitting right now and talking to you and instead of just walking around the bedroom that I'm in. I don't talk on the phone. Yeah, touche. Yeah, fair point. All right, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> I talk on Skype uh, and I tend to do that like here, you know. On right, right, right. Thing. You know, sitting down and the whole big thing. Because if I stand up and podcast, which I have done, it's very different. It is. It is. I used to do that uh, early on on ATP, and I've since stopped. I'm not really sure why, but uh, I used to exclusively stand, and now I don't anymore. No. Nope. All right. I think that's it. That was excellent. Um, uh, we, we have a lot of thoughts about travel, turns out. Yeah, it <laughs> turns out. Today I learned we have a lot of thoughts about travel. 
Thanks to our sponsors this week, Red Hat, Harry's, and Field Notes. If you want to catch us on the internet, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Casey is at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S on Twitter. You can add the .com and remove the app from the start and you'll get to caseylist.com. <laughs> uh, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find your show notes for this week's episode of Analog over at relay.fm slash analog slash 40. Three. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show, which will hopefully be recorded live and in person from San Francisco, California. I know, Mike. This is this is amazing because we are going to be in be in each other's arms in just a few short days. Indeed, we will. Indeed, we I'm will. so excited. I'll see you then. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'll see you in a few days. Bye. <laughs>